Hello, this is Professor Leslie Garfield-Tenzer, and this is Lord of Fact. Today we are talking property. In this episode, I speak about the rule against perpetuities with Professor Shelby Green. Professor Green nicely explains the rule against perpetuities, but to me the most interesting thing was that there was not one but two movies in which the rule against perpetuities plays a central theme. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you for joining me to talk about the rule against perpetuities, which I think is like the most dreaded concept in all of 1L. It is the most difficult Yes, that they'll ever have to grasp in first pro- first year property, and I think in life I'm, yeah. as well. I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> say yeah, attorneys haven't grasped. Yes, it. yes, yes. Great. Yeah. So, what is the rule against perpetuities? Well, it's a, it's an ancient rule. I guess ancient because it started like in the 1700s in England, and it's designed to further the marketability of land titles, uh, and it does this by eliminating that is making void. Uh, certain contingent interest, meaning interests that are subject to some kind of contingency or condition, uh, like uh, reaching a certain age or having grandchildren win the marathon, you know, that sort of thing. So if the conditions are not certain to vest or be satisfied or fail to be satisfied within the perpetuities period, which is a life in being plus 21 years, then the rule strikes those interests as being void at the time that they are created. Okay. Um, and it means that so to the extent that those interests remain uh, outstanding and, un, and contingent and unsatisfied, you know, those whose interests are vested uh, can't deal in the property uh, efficiently and productively. So the idea is to eliminate those interests that are, whose vesting may be too remote in the future. Vesting in property, like com- real property. Yeah, it, it applies to land, yes. Okay, yes. great. Uh-huh. That's what the rule is and what its aim is. Um, so basically the rule against perpetuity is a rule that prevents people from passing on their land to their heirs, to their heirs, to their heirs for the rest of the world to come. And before we move forward then, how does the rule against perpetuity work with the notion of future interests? Well, they only apply to certain uh, kinds of future interests, those held in third parties that are contingent, like contingent remainders and executory interest, uh, and class gifts as well. So if the grantor creates um, an interest uh, in the children who graduate from college, mm-hmm. uh, the, the interest in one is considered vested until the interests of all have satisfied the condition. So a, a class gift where it may be possible that one interest holder may not satisfy the condition in time mm-hmm. will be void as well under the rule. So give me a hypothetical. Um, to my grandchildren who win the marathon. Okay. Um, and if the grandchildren are not lives and being, I mean, your child may not have a child until like 30 years after um, grantor dies, and it may be another 50 years before they win the marathon. Right. And that's too long under and, the rule. And well, because what, when, when would the rule against perpetuities cut off that grant? Well, it, it, the idea is that um, when the interests are created, we must be able to say for certain that the condition will be satisfied or fail to be satisfied within a life and being in 21 years. If we can't say that absolutely, then the rule does not allow us to wait to see whether or not the condition may be satisfied. It strikes those interests from the grant at the time of conveyance. All right, so mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so let's say that I am 25 years old. 
one can only dream. All right, let's say I'm 25 years old, and I say I grant this property to my child and my child's grandchildren when my child's grandchildren hike Mount Kilimanjaro. And so I'm only 25, my child's two, and I don't even know if my child will have a child, let alone a child who's going to hike Mount Kilimanjaro. Since at the time I make the conveyance, we cannot guarantee that that condition will be met within the life well, 21 years after the life right, of, the of those in, uh, in being at the time. Within the, the life of my two-year-old plus 21 years, right. then the rule against perpetuity says you have vested something in someone in perpetuity, which means forever, ever, ever. We don't allow that, hence rule against perpetuity, right? And so... Makes the interest void. Makes the interest void. In the grandchildren. Yes. I get it. Yes. Great. Okay. Well, the, the first thing to, to, to understand in applying the rule is to be able to articulate the rule. Okay. And the classic articulation is that no interest is good unless it must vest, if at all, within 21 years of a life and being at the time of the creation of the interest. So, who, so whoever it's getting, um, whoever it's getting vested in, has to be alive. Well, usually the, uh, the, the of course, the estate holder, the one who owns the estate, mm-hmm. uh, is a life in being. But the future interest, where the grantee enjoys possession in the future, may be either contingent or could be vested. So if the grantor creates a life estate in your child with the remainder to your grandchildren who climbs a mountain or right. hikes down um, Grand Canyon... And there are no the grand there are no no grandchildren uh, in being at the time. Right, that may be void under the rule against perpetuities. All right. So, how does the twenty one year part fit in? It's twenty one years after the life is already in being. After all lives in being have died. Okay. Yes. So, okay. if you just map it on a timeline, right? You know, you need to project. You know, when you really don't know when a life in being is going to uh, die, but think about things that might happen. Um, after a life in being, you have 21 years after all the lives in being have passed on to do uh, what the grantor is required. So your child could uh, die 10 years later, but you still couldn't be certain that 21 years after the, your child's death that the grandchild would have climbed um, Mount Kilimanjaro. Right. Yeah, and if, if you can't say for certain, mm-hmm. uh, then it's void under the rule. Got it. But here, here's a clue. Uh, if the... Uh, remainder man uh, is a life and being, and the thing that has to be done is something that has to be done personally. Mm-hmm. That remainder man will either have done it in uh, his or her life or die not having done it. So the, the rule gives all of any life and being plus 21 more years to accomplish it. You know, so if, if one has to, if, if the grandchild is a life and being uh, and the condition is to climb Kilimanjaro and your grandchild is going to climb it within mm-hmm. his or her life mm-hmm. uh, or, not, or die not having done it, in that scenario, the tw- extra 21 years are irrelevant, aren't necessary. I say, I say. Yes. Great. Makes perfect sense. Okay. So I think, all right, so going back to what you said, the most important thing is to be able to articulate what the rule against perpetuities is. Yes. And so no, in a sentence, what's the rule against perpetuities? Well, it means no interest is good uh, unless it must vest, if at all, within 21 years of a life and being at the time of the creation. Got it. But keep in mind, it only applies to contingent interest created in third parties, but not those created uh, in any future interest created in a grantor. Like sometimes an interest that the grantor has after the grantor creates a defeasible interest 
may be subject to the same kind of condition, but because it's created in a grantor, it's not covered by the rules arbitrarily. Okay. Yeah, only those created in third parties, grantees, and that means contingent remainders uh, and executory interest, either shifting or springing. And <laughs> first year students must, must know the yeah, difference between know. Yeah, shifting and springing <laughs> interest and the difference between that and a contingent remainder. So. It makes and, me happy not to be with Waddell anymore, well, I have to say. Yeah, you first, you know, when you get convincing language, you have to um, um, figure out the state of title, right. who's getting what, and then pull out those contingent interests, and then mm-hmm. see whether or not the rule is going to apply. I see. Yes. Okay, great. All right, so if I say that I grant in my child and my child's heirs, are my child's heirs com- Considered a third-party beneficiary? Yeah, and, okay. and, and heirs okay. are, would, would okay. create a contingent interest because heirs are not known until the death of the, of the uh, ancestor. Okay, yes. got it. Yes. Great, yes. perfect, yes. wonderful. All right, terrific. So if, how would this appear on an exam? Well, I will um, offer some conveyancing language mm-hmm. that may or may not create a contingent uh, interest, either a contingent remainder or a shifting or springing interest maybe even a, a possibility of reverter, and that's held by the grantor, or right of entry, that's held by the grantor as well, mm-hmm. uh, and ask students um, whether or not there are any interests subject to the rule, uh, then determine uh, whether or not the rule would, would uh, cause the interest to be declared void. Okay. Yeah. So what would be a hypo? Like, could you give a hypo? Mm-hmm. Or? Well, I, as you suggested, yeah. you know, I, my I, uh, grantor conveys to my child a, you know, life estate, uh, and then uh, to my grandchildren, who are not lives and being, mm-hmm. uh, who climb Kilimanjaro. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so any grandchild that um, would be entitled to take the estate, you know, must be, would necessarily be born within a life mm-hmm. of the, the parent. Mm-hmm. But they wouldn't necessarily climb Kilimanjaro within 21 years after the parent dies. So the grant could be created in 20 uh, 18, and then the child born you know, later in the year, and then the parent dies in 2019. Uh, and that grandchild might not climb the mountain for 50 years later, and that would violate the rule. So because we couldn't be certain that the child would climb the mountain within 21 years because they could be afraid of mountains or have other things to do in life. So I'm going to digress for one second. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see the movie The Descendants with George Clooney? No, no. It's I, all about the rule of expense perpetuity. Oh, well, I know another movie, Body Heat. Oh, uh, my God, Body Heat. Yeah, Kathleen Turner yes, blackmailed yes, the, yes, for messing yes, up the rule against perpetuities yes. and the, killing her husband. Yes. Because of murder. Yes. So the that's pres- the reason to learn the rule against perpetuities right, to avoid being right. blackmailed and make, committing murder. That's so interesting. <laughs> the prosecutor there went to uh, Florida State University, and I was a gator at the time. Oh, I don't know. I watched it. But in the rule against perpetuities, the land had been granted to this family in you know an extended family in um, Hawaii, and they had to decide what to do with it before the rule against perpetuities had it kind of revert back to the state. So there, who would have thought two movies yes. about rule against perpetuities? We should have a, a rule against perpetuities film Party. festival. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> For sure, okay. class. <laughs> All right. So the student, right? Exactly. The student sees this on an exam. They have the hypothetical. Do you have tips for them to try and work through answering a question about the rule against perpetuities? Well, the uh, um, exercise we did in class was to cause students to see that whether or not a rule will violate, whether or not a grant will violate the rule depends upon the selection of a particular yardstick or measuring stick. 
you know, selecting, you know, one life, mm-hmm. using one life, it may violate the rule, but then you can keep working on your list of lives and being. If you find one life where you can be certain it'll vest or fail within the time, then the interest is not void under the rule, but it may later fail. Right. But at least it's not stricken at the time of the conveyance. Mm-hmm. It, it may fail because the remainder man or executory interest holder doesn't satisfy the condition in the future. So, and that's why lives and being are so important because you have to find every life and being. So you get an exam question, you read the exam question, you see who is the grantee, right? You see who is the third party beneficiary. You see whether those third party beneficiaries are lives and being. And then you see whether. The heirs of the third-party beneficiary, if that's how it's written, right. are, are lies in being. Yeah, and they wouldn't be. Yeah, yes. they, and they're not. Right. right. So that's the first thing I was going to say is that if someone's not alive in being, is that if you can't find any lives in being, then the rule against perpetuity, right? Using a life in being and adding 21 years. If you can't say within 21 years of any life in being, mm-hmm. then the interest is void. But if you can find any one life in being right. um, during which the um, the condition will be satisfied, then it saves the the uh, the, 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 the creation. And so, like a grandeur conveys to, you convey to your child mm-hmm. and then to your grandchild who's unborn. So we know that your child has to have a child within 21 years after you die. In fact, that you have a child within nine months after. Right. Uh, your, your child will have a child within right. nine months after that, that person's death. So that won't violate the rule. It's just that we had other kinds of things that are uncertain to happen within 21 years that it raises problems for the, the grantees. So if I see the, my, that my grandchild should hike Mount Kilimanjaro, when I'm looking at it in 2018, and my child's only one years old, right? One year old. I don't know whether the rule of perpetuity is going to be violated because I don't know, number one, if my child's going to have a child, and I don't know if that child is going to actually hike Mount Kilimanjaro. So you can't... But you know, you know that that will violate the rule because you can't say for certain that those things will happen. You have to be able to say for certain. Yes. Or oh. it will, that it will happen or that it won't happen. Okay. Yes. All right. All right, so I see. So so I can't say for certain as a 25-year-old with a 1-year-old that my 1-year-old will have a child and that child will hike Mount Kilimanjaro, so the grant violates... 21 years the, after you die, your child dies. Right, right. Mm-hmm. and so the grant... Because we're the only two lives of being, right. me and my, my child. Right. And so the grant violates the rule against perpetuity. Right. I have a couple questions. Mm-hmm. The first question is... Who's going to bring a cause of action challenging the rule against perpetuity in 2018 against a land grant that says you get to keep my land so long as your grandchild hikes Mount Kilimanjaro? Well, no. Um, if, the, the, if the grant is made in 2018, and right. usually, you know, where I always say where there's a will, there's a relative, uh-huh. where there's a conveyance, there's a relative as well. <laughs> so those people who would get the estate if the contingent interest is stricken are those who would challenge it. You know, okay. So people who are not named in that conveyance, I you know, they look at it and say, oh, well, this violates the rule. Right. So if the rule operates to uh, declare an interest a void, then you, you need to go back and restate the, the title. I see. So that grant is just marked off the conveyance language as well. So if there's no contingent interest to your child's child, mm-hmm. uh, then that means that the grantor has uh, a reversion. Mm-hmm. And if you are, are an heir of 
the grantor, right. then you take mm-hmm. and not your child's child. I see. Yes. So as lawyers, the rule against perpetuity is particularly important because it can really... Oh, right. It, but, yeah. but you can avoid the operation in some cases you know, by not creating these um, interests that may vest too remotely, mm-hmm. but also by including savings clauses uh, in the grants as well, which will force the interest to uh, die if, if it doesn't... Um, if it, the, the condition is not satisfied within the, the rule. Okay. So you can say, notwithstanding anything else, if this does not vest within 21 years after its life and being, then the interest is terminated. So in that case, we will, we will allow the remainder man or interest holder to work toward achieving uh, the condition. But if, uh, apart from that uh, savings clause, the interest is struck at the time the uh, interest is created. We don't wait. It's the what might happen test. So this gets... So you can challenge under the you can challenge a, a conveyance of land under the rule against perpetuities in the present day. Oh yes, it could be challenged thirty years from now. And, yeah, they, and you know it, it's, it's just whenever someone dies and someone else has a claim to the land, one of their defenses, right? If that's no, I guess defenses or, or claims. One of their claims yeah. can be I'm entitled to this land through the rule against perpetuity. Yeah, because the rule operated to. Um, make void right. the interest that you try to create yeah, in these unborn, remote, distant people. Right. Yes. yes. Great. It's all about land and, and grabbing. And, <laughs> so if yeah. you see land, yeah. one of the yes. things you need to think about is the right. rule against perpetuity. Yeah. Um, wonderful. Anything else that you want to add? This is really, I mean, actually, this is great. I, yeah. I now know, <laughs> several years after law school, I now know the rule against perpetuities. Well, you know, some states have um, changed the rule, and some have. Um, uh, well, the common law rule is a white, what might happen test, and some states have adopted a wait and see test to see whether or not it will vest within the perpetuity period. Um, oh, so you can wait yeah. and see if my one-year-old yeah. has a right. child. Yeah, under a few jurisdictions, and there's a uniform rule, rule against perpetuities uh, act, which gives the remainder man like 90 years to do it. And if mm-hmm. it hasn't happened within 90 years, then it goes back to the common law mm-hmm. result. Oh. But on the bar, it's just basic Yeah, it's goals. in uh, New York. It's the what might happen test. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, great. Right. And on the bar, what's the co- what's the common law? It's, that's a common law. Oh, oh that is the common law. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. got it. All right, so you're a property student. You're studying for the bar. The first thing you need to do is to be able to articulate the rule against perpetuities test. Once you do that, if you see a problem, the best way to attack it is to understand what the grant was and then count the lives in being Identify them. Identify yes. the lives yes. and being, and then count out 21 years past that live and being to see if the rule against perpetuity is going to prevent that right to property from being transferred as the grantee intended. Or enjoy, yes, yes. Uh, and you need to use your imagination to think of all possible scenarios you know, where it might not the condition may not be satisfied within that period. So in our hypothetical, my one-year-old might not have a baby. Yes, that's doesn't require that's one, huge right? imagination. Huge. But yes, but it's okay. pretty... Yeah, right? it's, and then let's say my one-year-old has a baby. That baby might not want to hike up Mount Kilimanjaro. Exactly. Right, yes. So those are different scenarios. So you yes. have to contemplate every scenario. Yes, yes. Terrific. This is really helpful. I really appreciate you giving me the time. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. All right.